I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. It's a well-rehearsed dialogue that... Well, before I get into this, let me just warn all of you. The subject matter in which I'll be talking about is going to be explicit. It's going to be sensitive. Some people might find it not, I wouldn't say offensive, but eh, a little bit too vulgar for their tastes. And I will give you this warning as a person that says, fuck, at least 500 times every goddamn episode. So I just want to give you a heads up that I sat down for about three or four days really going through my thoughts and, and uh, my ideas. I happened to stumble onto a podcast Thaddeus Russell did, and that helped out a lot with where I was going. And I have written down probably the majority of what you're going to hear here so if it if it sounds like i'm reading it's because well i am but these are my thoughts for the most part um i did pull a couple of quotes and a little bit of this and that and the other but i'm trying to put pieces together in my own head and so in order to fit it all together i did spend a lot of time writing this stuff down so that I could make sure that it made sense to me before I I put it out there for you. So I apologize that of the rhythm, it's going to be more of a reading tempo. I'm not going to be cussing near as much. I'm sure I'll interject a few times, but I, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to <clears throat> make sure I got, got this down and, in such a way that was understandable to everybody else as well as myself. So I've noticed if you grew up in America, you know, it's well-rehearsed dialogue that America is a Christian nation. This is something we hear from the time where we children um, heard this all my life from uh, various people. And I've scoffed at this notion plenty over the years. Uh, I, I think to myself, have these people not read the First Amendment? Do they do they not know anything about you know uh, the freedom of religion, the separation of church and state, all these things that have been discussed and debated over the years? And I, as I was thinking of this this episode, r- religion was really far from my mind as it always is. But I was experiencing a gap in my thoughts. And uh, so I was catching up on some podcasts and I turned on an episode of Unregistered. As I said, um, Thaddeus was touching on a subject that was going to, that helped me end up bridging this gap and, and, and really 
tying a lot of this stuff together in my own head, which is funny because a lot of this stuff was stuff I had read in renegade history of the United States. So like this could actually, I guess, technically be a episode Thaddeus Russell would do, but I don't, I think he'd be better at it than me on, on most of the stuff, but I just wanted to kind of get my thoughts out there. Cause I like what I like. I like it when y'all, you guys interact with me and like, and come back at me and say, okay, yeah, this is what I heard. And this is where, where I understand you were going, but maybe you didn't go far enough. Maybe you should have added, added to this, that, and the other. So I, I really appreciate that. Maybe y'all can tie some of these um, themes together for me a little bit better than I can. So he was, Thaddeus was given a, a speech at a high school. Um, I think it was El Dorado high school there in California somewhere. And it didn't, it really didn't take long. The, I mean, he started talking about Freud and Socrates and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. This is what I'm, this is what I'm missing. This is kind of what my theme that I'm trying to get to is missing. And, uh, he, he's discussing how Freud thought repression or delayed gratification, um, was was the way that a man like should live his life and and truly experience all the features of his life and 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 to repress his more animalistic urges and and so it, he's like really touching on like this idea of disciplining your mind to deny your body you know especially in sexual urges and things like that and then he started talking about how socrates taught of the mind-body duality also known as dualism and that the mind was greater than the body that that you were to find happiness through a disciplined mind starving the body of the desires that and and there's a couple of quotes that i found that Socrates of, of Socrates on on this general concept, and I thought they were interesting. And the first first one I, I copied down is: "Worthless people live only to eat or drink. People of worth eat and drink only to live." It just reminded me of uh, this show that Beatrix used to watch called uh, Kenda on investigative discovery this guy uh he was a he was a police officer and he was always uh he investigated he was a homicide uh detective and um one of the things he said that i found so so damn funny he was a really dry guy like imagine a really tall ben stein you know it was just kind of like this this really he was kind of towering and he wasn't really intimidating, but but you could tell he was serious. But he had this really dry, kind of almost monotone way of, of talking. And, it, and he goes, I remember they asked me if I wanted something to eat. I ordered a number one. I always get a number one. Every restaurant has a number one. And I just found it so fucking funny. Because he went on to describe how he, he viewed food as fuel. But... 
and and, and not for pleasure. But I, I always found that funny. I always get a number one. Every every place has a number one, and that always that always made me laugh. So I always found that humorous. I thought I should share that because I, that was one of those things that always sticks in my head. One of these days, I'm going to write a short story about about a guy who always orders a number one. He's probably going to be a police officer. Um, anyway, um, the second quote I found by Socrates that I found that was interesting says. Employ your time in improving yourself by other men's writings so that you shall gain easily what others have labored hard for. So he's, he's discussing that your time should be used to gain knowledge, to gain wisdom that all these people have, have studied for. So the philosopher Kings have gone out and done all this hard work and don't make it for nothing. Like this is, this is the key to society. This is the key to, you know, victory. This is the key to your success is, is in all this hard work. And we didn't do all this hard work for nothing. Don't make it for nothing. And I just found that interesting. It's, it's, it reminds me of, um, of, of the communists. The communists are uh, known for not being fans of, of pop culture, movies, pleasure of that sort, that they think it's a waste of time, that they think everything should be an intellectual pursuit. So that's kind of what that reminded me of. And, you know, even I've fallen into this, this, this trap. I, uh, I remember one time and I don't, I, I, I used to get like extremely frustrated when I would try to have a conversation with somebody and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they they acted like they knew what the hell they were fucking talking about, but they had it was obvious they had no idea what the hell they were talking about because they hadn't spent any time um, researching any of the subjects that they thought were interesting and that they actually wanted to get get involved in. I used to get so fucking mad. I'm like, you can sit around on a fucking Sunday for nine fucking hours and watch some mindless drones beat the shit out of each other. And call it a football game, but you can't take, you know, 30 minutes to read, you know, like you can't even read a fucking article. Like, and I would get so irritated. It used to frustrate the shit out of me. I, I don't even know how I really got over it other, other than just like, most people are perfectly comfortable being fucking idiots. You know, like that's that most people don't want to know. What the fuck's going on? That's why I think it feels like for, for a lot of us in the podcast world, those, you know, those of us that, that write some and we, we understand we, we, we have this kind of idealism that, that keeps us moving, that keeps us moving forward. Like we're going to touch some lives and, and I'm sure like in some aspect we do. And, and we can, 
but at the same time, it's frustrating to know that the majority is not going to tune in. You know, like, I mean, with me, I don't know. I do this kind of for my own relief. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, I do kind of hold myself to a schedule and I'm, I'm kind of strict about trying to get y'all's two episodes out to you every week because I made that commitment. But, you know, like, it would have been easy for me to lay down the podcast whenever I started having technical issues and I couldn't do any more uh, interviews. You know, I haven't been able to, I don't, I don't even know how many episodes it's been since I've, since I've had an interview, but it's, I I don't have that capability at the moment. I have some issues and I don't have the finances to back it up, you know, and to, and to, and to fix the problem. Um, And I think the problem is that I need a new computer to record on. My wife has a really good computer, but uh, my computer is getting pretty old and my wife keeps telling me to use hers. I don't want to use up all her space because she uses it for work. But, I mean, we're going to have to figure it out. But I, I'm also having a, a, a software problem. I mean, that, that's another story. I'm sorry, I get distracted. This is why I wrote all this shit down so I can go back to where I was. Uh, but as I was saying, even I've fallen into this trap, man. I, I mean, I've gotten so fucking frustrated. I've posted some fucking crazy shit on Facebook. Like, you fucking motherfuckers, you got three hours to watch a goddamn football game. You can't spend 30 minutes to, you know, listen, watch this video or some stupid shit like that. You know, as if I know what's better for them than they do, you know, because they're not working in, in, their, in the mind dichotomy. They're working in the body. They're, they're enjoying their weekend while I'm fucking stressing over crazy fucking political shit now that i'm home every weekend i spend a lot less time worrying about it on the weekend i promise you that um but you know i don't even live that i don't even live that that puritanical life nor nor should i i mean why must we always consider the pursuits of the mind greater than pleasure than our quote-unquote fleshly desires, the sins of the flesh, secularism. These are all Christian words, Puritan phrases. This is how it's always described to us. These are the Christian values, the religion of the state, patriotic orthodoxy, Puritanism, the basis for the entire society, moralism and that's what sells and that's not it's not even what sells it's what people expect you know um, they expect their businessmen and their politicians to be these philosophical geniuses and when you start studying up on this stuff you start looking into it on your own you realize that these people are fucking morons. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about half the time. So, and it, and it's weird too, because we do this to our children. It's, you're always telling your child when they grow up, it doesn't even matter your, your place in life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your quote unquote class is. Or, or 
or what your situation is. And this is a big issue nowadays with this whole free college movement. People are all in free college. And it's, it's because this idea that, that the only, the only way to succeed in life and what success is really made of is, are these pursuits of the mind and to be in these fields of discovery and, 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 uh, and really like pursue these mental like ambitions. And so you tell your child, it doesn't matter if you make $10,000 a year or $500,000 a year, you raise your child telling them, Oh, you should be a lawyer or you should be a doctor. You should be a politician. You should, well, anybody, any of you fucking tell your kid to be a politician. We can, we can take it up outside. I promise you that. But you, you tell them, you know, to be a physicist or a scientist, mathematician, an economist, you know, what some of these things and all these careers are made of the mind. But what about the kid who doesn't like to read books? He don't want anything to do with it. He wants to just sit around, play with his fucking Legos, maybe draw a nice picturesque drawing of a country estate under a sunrise or a sunset or a sunrise or whatever. Why, why are you telling that kid to become a lawyer or a doctor? Why don't you, why aren't you taking that kid outside with a saw, some construction equipment, build a doghouse, man. Imagine if you start that when a kid's six years old. By the time that kid's 17, he'll he'll be better than the people that built your house. He'll be more experienced than, than any carpenter you've ever met. If you do that every weekend from the time he's six till he's 17, you go out and you build some small project. A doghouse, a dollhouse, a fucking porch swing, a damn treehouse, or whatnot. And instead, and instead of of teaching them to be a carpenter by the time they graduate high school, and possibly a building contractor making you know pretty decent money. You know, as a as a contractor and a foreman on on job sites, you're you're hammering into their head all the way through elementary school and all the way through high school, and they should be, you know, a lawyer. What makes you think they have any interest in being a lawyer? Yeah, and I, I know that's kind of a tame example, but you know that's something I tried to work on with my kids is is when they showed interest in something. It's an example. 
all of you know I have the son who wants to leave for the Marines next year. And uh, one of the things he's always been interested in forever, I mean, for as long as he was able to talk and walk, he's he likes cars. He's always liked cars, and he wants to be a mechanic. And kid's really good at baseball. I don't I don't know if anybody will try to recruit him or you know anything like that. But he he's good at baseball. He's a good athlete. He's got. He's not stupid. He's a smart kid. Now I don't just say it because he's mine. Because I do have a couple of stupid ones in there. I'm just kidding. Um, but. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, it's just odds, right? I have five kids. At least one of them's stupid, right? Um, no, but seriously, uh, the fact of the matter is, he's always wanted to be a mechanic. I've never told him not to be a mechanic. Actually, he was talking about like when he joins the Marines, he's thinking about being a mechanic in the Marines, you know, instead of going into, you know, special forces or something like that, uh, into recon or whatever. He, he's thinking about being a mechanic. And I'm like, yeah, do it. Like that, you've always wanted to do it. Like, I don't want you to go to the Marines, but I mean, get something out of it. You know, don't just give to them and not get anything in return. Yeah, but but the whole idea is is as small as of an example as it is a kid that maybe want to be an architect or or a carpenter and you're and you're spending your their entire childhood trying to push them into a more intellectual like oriented direction. You know you're you're basically telling that kid from the time he's very young that the suffrage of the body for the mind is, is, is good. And then that, and then as they get older society and, you know, the politicians and political activists and all these people are, are saying, especially a mind dedicated to public institutions, especially a mind that's working in the interest of a state because the individual exists to advance the state agenda, right? I mean, are you a tool? Are you a slave to the whims of advancing the goals of the majority at the suffrage of your own self? Are those really the greatest among us? Because that's what we're told. We're told those are the greatest among us. What's often overlooked is those minds are not without bodily desires, though, as we've learned this week. Again, sometimes those minds have the most frowned upon desires. Jimmy Seville. And as I referenced, Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Jeffrey Epstein, but I do want to I do want to touch on this just for a second. Just real quick. I'm going to go off script here. Um, about two years ago, I read a book. It was written by James Patterson. It was basically just the trial notes and, uh, and, and all the, uh, now what you call it, 
it, it was basically all, everything from the trial. And uh, he kind of gave an overview of, of what had happened. It wasn't a very long book. It was, it was actually fairly short. I think it was about, I don't know, 200 pages or something like that. It wasn't very much. But so this, I, I, I'm interested. I, I'm actually like really interested in this Jeffrey Epstein case because I never thought it would, after reading that, I just kind of like shrugged. I was like, they're never going to do anything about this guy, right? So it was it was in like 2005 or something like that when this teenage girl accused Jeffrey Epstein of of sexually assaulting her and basically all right so the way the story went pinky stop I'm sorry my dog's trying to climb on me um the way the story went was that he had this I don't know, she was some like 18, 20 year old girl that he would pay $200 for every teenager she would bring him. Now, we're not even, okay, in the state of Florida, I think the age of consent at this time was 16. It might still be. But this 2005, I think it was still, I think it was age, Age of consent was two that was sixteen in two thousand five. But this this girl used to service Jeffrey Epstein, but she got a little old for his taste. So he would give her two hundred dollars for every girl she would bring to his house. Well, the sales pitch was she would she would find these cute, impoverished teenage girls around 14 is how he, he liked them around the age of 14. 16 was a little old for him. He would if you looked young for your age. Though. But he would pay. He would tell her to tell them he will pay them to give him a massage. Just come over once a week and give him a massage and he'll give you a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. You ain't got no money. You don't have any nice clothes. You're not fashionable anyway. So they're, they're preying on the more impoverished parts of society of this Florida area. And, uh, she, and, and, I think it was something like 36 girls like involved in this. There were always rumors that, that he was bringing them to his resort on his Island. They call it orgy Island or whatever. And, uh, and there were political parties going on there, but the craziest thing about it were all the co-conspirators were, were let off the hook. Not to mention he was let off the hook, but but one of the one of the craziest things was there was this there was this woman that worked for him, Jislaine Maxwell, I think is how you say her name, and she's the daughter of Robert Maxwell, and Robert Maxwell happens to be a Mossad agent. So 
even though this Ghislaine Maxwell was named as a woman that as part of the abuse that was involved directly in a, in the abuse of at least one of the girls, she was completely let off. No charges brought up. Whatsoever. And I can't help but think that maybe her dad's connections had something to do with it. Because it just came out, written by... Vicki Ward has been doing a lot of investigative journalism on this. I don't know a whole lot else she's ever done. So I can't tell you exactly how accurate her journalism is and exactly who she is. But it appears that when making the plea deal, and we'll get to the plea deal in a minute, it was fucking retarded. When making the plea deal, Acosta, the uh, now the secretary of, uh, or was he the secretary of labor under in the Trump administration, just uh, basically said, I got a phone call. Um, I was told this is above my pay grade and that he's intelligence. So I guess that's all I can do. So, so they ended up making this plea deal. This plea deal was supposed to be two years in prison, um, registered as a sex offender. And then there were going to be civil suits. It left the opening for the civil suits. And uh, he ended up getting 13 months in prison. He didn't have to register as a sex offender. And he was allowed to leave prison 12 hours a day, six days a week during that 13-month stretch. So he really wasn't in prison. Anyway, after these, as these civil suits are going on, um, I think it was two, two, three years ago, Mike Cernovich decided, you know what? And this was right around the time I, I read the Patterson book. So I kind of remember it because it happened right after I finished the James Patterson book on it. Mike, I heard Mike Cernovich talking about, um, he was going to that, that, the fact that these civil suits were sealed, completely sealed off from public view and public scrutiny was ridiculous. That that never happens in any civil suit ever and that he wasn't going to tolerate it. So he was filing, he was basically filing lawsuits of freedom of information suits against the state of Florida to get these documents released. And last, I, I think it was last Friday, he got the approval. They said, okay, we're going to release, like, I think it cost him like $50,000 over the last three years or something like that. But they said, okay, okay, fine. You win. You're going to get them. We're going to release them. So quickly after that, the, uh, Law enforcement had to move in 
So what they did is they caught Jeffrey Epstein at the airport just as he was getting back from Paris. He was flying into New York from Paris. So they arrested him. So he had been basically since 2007, he had been walking the streets scot-free even though there was all these this evidence that continuously came out, there had always been these rumors that there were going to be more charges, there were going to be more charges, they were going to get him with child trafficking, they were going to get him with sex trafficking, this, that, and the other. And, and nothing ever happened until Cernovich ended up winning the Freedom of Information Act request in order to get these sealed civil suit testimonies unsealed. So let's not think that the government's actually doing something good here. This sounds like a cover your ass fucking operation from the get-go. And I think it's something like 2,000 documents are going to be released on this on this uh subject on, on on all these cases and when I have a chance to sit down and look at them I'll, I'll definitely do an episode on it but let's get back into where I was I'm sorry so we had Jimmy Seville and Jeffrey Epstein both pedophiles very high connections to the state then we had they they weren't able to control their body or JFK is very well known that he had a he had a control problem when it came to women. Martin Luther King Jr. had a control problem when it came to women. Thomas Jefferson apparently had a child with one of his slaves, so it's not like he was always under control. So they they're also known to have been weakened to the body a time or two. Like at least a time or two, right? But they're let off the hook because they're considered men, men of the mind. Like that was always secondary. That was always um, behind the scenes, a secondary part of their persona. They were men of the mind. They were the greatest among us. But think about it. Had any of these men, Seville or Epstein, for instance, been of less value to the goals of the state? Had they been farmers or athletes, actors or construction workers? Would the rhetoric be different? Would Jeffrey Epstein's plea deal included the terminology that he was just soliciting prostitution from 14-year-old girls? Didn't even mention age. Didn't mention age at all. He got, he was originally arrested for soliciting prostitution. Or that's what he was convicted for. That's what the plea deal stated. Soliciting prostitution. Not paying a 14-year-old and then trapping her in his bathroom. And it's pretty disgusting. I don't know. Go read the James Patterson book. I don't want to get into all that. That's something, <laughs> that's something that would really piss me off. But you can easily frame it as moralism, puritanism, the evangelism of the state. Bill Clinton is allowed to rape 
because he serves the state brilliantly. But Trump thinks about grabbing a pussy once. Nah, I doubt he only thought about it once. But you know what I'm saying. The Christian nation now serves another master. The state itself. Puritanical moralism is still the language spoken as to create no distinction to the general public between what once was and what is today. The Puritanism of today is adherence to the state, whereas the Puritanism of yesteryear was the adherence to rigorous morality of God not rigorous morality of the state. But, unfortunately for the moral police, they have their obstacles. Historically, there were groups viewed as body groups. I call them body groups. I don't know what they called them. I call them, but well, I know what they call them. <laughs> but I, I'm just going to call, I'm referring to them as body groups. First off, you had blacks. Blacks were thought of as too sexual. They, the inventors of dance, even abolitionists, in many cases, argued slaves were too free. They had no vested interest. After a day in the field, they were free to get drunk and fornicate. Their minds weren't mined for the advancement of the state. They needed to work 16-hour days and stress over their investment in the nation. They didn't need to be free to roam the streets. They had to be controlled. They had to be enslaved. Further enslavement. A different type of enslavement. Enslavement to the state as opposed to enslavement to the plantation owner. The second group were women. Women, too, were of the body. Their feelings ruled them. They were nurturers. My grandpa told me one time, don't ever trust anything that can bleed for three days and not die. That's uh, kind of the view that every man had of women at that time. But, but women, women are emotional, right? Irrational. They have voluptuous breasts, wide, sensual hips. And when they pull you in close to their silken flesh, it's like hugging the curves of the Audubon at 100 miles an hour. Soon their warm pool of lust embraces your manhood in its rose petal sheets. Put your dick away, Joe Bob. Right there, of the body. Now, I know at least one of you pulled out your dick and started jerking off. You're probably still jerking off to me talking right now. But the rest of you got really uncomfortable. Maybe you looked around to see if anybody else was listening to the latest Penthouse Forum podcast with you. But you certainly 
got a little stiff in more ways than one. Uh, but it just proves my point. We still have this revulsion when it comes to the body, especially in public. In a public setting or the thought of a public setting. Remember this um, video that was going around of Obama. He was talking on the phone. And uh, you could see his you could see his erection through his pants as he's talking on the phone. He had a leg foot propped up on a airplane seat and these fucking journalists were going fucking ballistic um they were (laughs) there was a guy standing there i think he was secret service or something they kept telling him to move to move i can't see move move i can't see and they're taking all these pictures and shooting this video and obama's just talking on the phone and it wasn't i don't think it ever hit mainstream media like i don't remember ever hearing like Hannity or Beck talk about it but there were some there were some mumblings about how vulgar Obama was by sitting there propping his leg up allowing these female journalists to view his package in all its glory and and it just shows you there, there's this this deep-seated puritanical idea that even if it happened naturally, like, I don't know, maybe he had some silk boxers on that day and he just moved the wrong way and he was like, ooh, Michelle. You know, like, who knows? Like, let the man get his heart on. But this this all leads me to my next and final point of this episode. Prohibition is always of the body. Every prohibition law is meant to preserve your body and mind for advancement of the state. You will be productive if we have to force you to. We must all work in unity to strengthen that social fabric, like it or not. That is prohibition. That is the drug war. That is prohibition on alcohol. And that is definitely how they attack the great enemy, the biggest threat to our most upstanding citizens of society prostitution now in the 1800s it was well known that prostitutes were among the wealthiest people in any town the body was challenging the mind and puritanism had to be protected we couldn't allow these whores to own more land set business standards, and all by lying on their back for a living. It threatened power, 
It threatened the status quo. It threatened the state religion. And it threatened the principles of the mind hierarchy. These women were providing health care to employees. They were earning five times more than women in any other industry. And they were doing it all by having sex. Who do these bitches think they are? 200 years later, prostitutes are the number one target of serial killers. They're easy prey for rapists and sadists. And they're constantly abused and raped by police. This section of the population has been cast out and forgotten for this, for this long, all because the refuted refuse to adhere to the expectations and orthodoxy that is the basis for all prohibition. This group of people understand the importance of the body and they offer solutions to the body. These brave women, these brave women reject Puritanism. Now, I'm certain some of you are of the belief that the that dualism is correct that the mind and body are separate entities and that the mind has to control the body and discipline the body and that it is up to the mind to overcome the animal instincts of the body just as Socrates did that doesn't make you a total fucking idiot I would just suggest that maybe just maybe you can't nurture the mind without nurturing the body and you can't nurture the body without nurturing the mind that incels exist for a reason that men are known to become violent temperamental slavish creatures when left to their own without a woman's touch that even an infant child, it has been proven that even an infant, if left untouched for, for a period of time, will die without physical contact. Your mind is nothing without the nurturing of your body. And your body is nothing without the nurturing of your mind. And sometimes that means giving in to your desires. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.